Welcome to Homestead Story. We're Peter and Kristen. Join us as we share a new but old kind of family life. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Homestead Story. This is Peter and Kristen coming to you from our Maryland homestead, and we're back. Yeah, we haven't podcasted in a little while because we have been working like crazy around the homestead. Um, homesteading is funny because in the wintertime, you'll have months where you're just, you want to be doing more. You feel like you should be doing more, but there's really nothing you can do. Nothing is growing. There's not much to do. And that's when I stay ahead of the household chores, which fall behind in the yeah. growing season and yeah. homeschool the kids. And I do a lot more baking in the winter. But um, once things start growing on a 10 acre farm or homestead, no matter how hard you try, you just can't keep up. Yeah, there's no way to keep up with it. It's been kind of crazy. And then a whole bunch of other stuff happens that we weren't expecting. Right. Enough that I'm, I've am i started to get a little paranoid. I'm like, I wake up in the morning and be like, oh, I hope nothing happens today, <laughs> you know? Yeah, I know. I'm sure there's a lot of families who are listening who understand, but sometimes you go through seasons in family life where it's like when it rains, it pours. It's just one thing after another. Yeah. I was looking back, thinking back on this month and the months, we kicked off the month with our six-year-old getting covered in poison ivy. And parents know, I mean, that doesn't sound that bad, but... When you have a kid coming in your room crying, you know, five times a night and just itching like crazy. Yeah. It, and it's just, they're just miserable. And it just adds to a lot of um, chaos. I actually took my son, John Paul, to the doctor and, right. you know, they prescribed a steroid, but he could, he's prone to poison ivy and I don't want him on a steroid constantly. So we kind of decided to just have the steroid just in case, but we wanted to manage it um, just without the steroid. Right. So um, anyway... He has poison ivy. Right. So I can recognize poison ivy really, really well because I get it. I get poison ivy pretty bad. So I've just learned to like, you know, everywhere I see it, my eye just picks up on it. You know, if I'm hiking in the woods or whatever. Because you're prone to poison ivy. Because I'm prone to poison yeah. ivy. So I've been trying to teach the kids what poison ivy looks like, but it's it's just, it's hard, right. you know, and especially they're not, they're just not thinking about it most of the time when they're doing whatever they're doing. So he got poison ivy real bad. And then I walked around finally the property and uh and found it in his fort that he's constructed like, oh, yeah man, oh, the poor, poor guy kid. yeah so so anyway he gets poison ivy and that's just awful to have a kid with poison ivy then uh right after that we were having friends over for dinner and it was raining and our son justin our eight-year-old he was on this tile breezeway that we have that was all wet from the rain and he slips and he bangs his head real bad on the tile right as our guests are coming. So uh, right. it's like this big chaotic, you know, situation. Which never happens with him. He's, he's a very just good, always been incredible at falling. Yeah, he he's catches very, himself like, like a cat. Yeah, supernaturally. And, it, and right. so it was weird. He came down and he hit his head and it was just, right. it doesn't happen with him. So he's crying. The guests are coming. So And so um, he is, he bakes, he loves to make potatoes. He like um, fries up potatoes. And he wanted us to say in the podcast that he makes yeah, they're Great really potatoes. good. But, but wait a minute. <laughs> we had four kids in five years. Do you know how good it feels to have your son make you really good food? Yeah, it, it was. Like, it's awesome. Like that's a great feeling. Well, anyway, this ties together. The potato. So anyway, the guests are coming. He really wants to make them potatoes. So he bangs his head real bad. And you know, as a parent, you know your kids get hurt all the time, and it just usually they they bounce back. So you know, we're just thinking, oh, you banged your head. You know, we're just comforting right. him. You're okay. Right. So he's making his potatoes, and um, I look over at him, and he's just 
crying and crying while he's making potatoes. And he is not like, he's a tough kid. So when he's really hurting, you know, something's wrong. So I was like, you know, Justin, I think you shouldn't just don't, I'll make the potatoes. You just go lay down. And, um, and and this whole time we've got um, friends over and their kids are over. And then he's just crying and crying and crying. And our friend happened to be a PA. So we kind of just checked him out for any broken bones or anything. And he's like, well, it was clear that he, he had a concussion, but we just decided to, to watch him right. and because, you know, to make sure it didn't get worse. So you're going to watch him at home. And, um, after a couple hours, he's still just crying and crying. Then he starts throwing up oh, everywhere. Yeah. Not a little bit of throw up, like a lot of throw up. Yeah. So we're like, all right, that's it. You know, we're going to the ER and I, when it comes to medical stuff and my kids, I tend to turn into a crazy person. Yeah. <laughs> So sort of, yeah. So Pete, um, you know, takes takes Justin to the ER because he's and he's th- he threw up like four times. Uh, yeah. Threw up on the way there. It was just terrible. And I'm going to like, okay, he's dying. You know, his brain is bleeding. Right. So at that point, there is yeah. At that point, there's a very small chance, but but a non-zero chance that it could be some kind of bleeding in yeah. the brain. So that's why we went to the hospital. If it's if it's a concussion, there's not anything you can do right. except just rest. Wait and rest. Yeah. But. But anyway, we, at that point, we felt like, you know, after a couple hours, he's throwing up. We got to get this done. Yeah. So I head to the hospital with him. And we're having a nice time at the hospital. Like, he's uncomfortable, but we're being peaceful. I'm chatting with him. They have, in this hospital now, you have your own personal TV, <laughs> which was great to have. But, you know, he's got he's got a remote. He's got a TV, and he can choose whatever he wants. So we were watching some silly show with, you know, where somebody was getting pranked. Yeah. And then Kristen shows up. Well, because then I'm waiting at home for a pe- Pete's mom to come watch the kids. And then I come racing. And I'm just like crying. It was like, I'm, you know, my mind's going to like the worst place, like totally anxiety. And I just show up and I had like a suitcase and I had a crucifix and rosaries. I'm yeah. like, <laughs> Pete's like, what do you think is happening? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, but anyway, they checked him out and they, so we went into full scale yeah. Catholic, you know, I'm like setting up the icons and crucifixes and <laughs> around the, the hospital room. And so that was um, cool. Yeah. So, but anyway, then he's fine. So we go home. Then, um, then what was next? And John Paul comes back. Oh, then John Paul's poison ivy clears up, and I'm like, John Paul, you did it! You yeah, did it! You, you, made it. you like you you walk through this tough thing of poison ivy, and you know, I mean, he was suffering. He was itching like crazy, and finally, it's all cleared up. And, and I hadn't done anything on the property yet because I figured he got it somewhere else. Yeah, we like, thought he we got it at a friend's house. We don't have much poison ivy here. Yeah. When I see it, I rip it out, and so I just didn't think it was here. Right. But. So not like not. Four days after his poison ivy clears up, I'm like sleeping and he comes in my room in the middle of the night and he's like, my hands are itchy. Oh. And then I look at him and I was like, no, covered again in yeah. poison ivy uh, everywhere. And this time... I felt really guilty because yeah. at that point I knew it was probably yeah. here. And this time it was like worse than before. And so anyway, then we had another, whatever it was, week of just terrible poison ivy. Waking up all through the night to take care of him and give him Benadryl and you know try to do what we could to keep him... Yeah, for you know, comfortable. But yeah. so um, then after that, set, like bout of poison ivy, um, Justin is like screaming because his ear hurts him, and um, you know, he didn't have a fever or a cold or anything because usually with an ear infection, you you have another sickness with it. So I'm like, oh, you've got summer's ear, you know, well, we can take we can take care of this. Um, so I have Pete kind of get some natural things to help with the swimmer's ear. Then he's still screaming. So I have Pete. I'm like, okay, Pete, this is swimmer's ear. He needs special something special from the doctor. Take him to urgent care. So this because ear infections always get worse at night, you know. Right. So Pete takes him to urgent care, and um, he 
you know, they say, oh, yeah, it's Summer's ear, and they prescribe a special drop for him. Yeah, it's an eardrop, and yeah. Yeah, so, so, you know, they come home, and I'm like, you know, Summer's ear is not a big deal. And um, we are having vacation Bible school this that, that whole week. So I give Justin Mochern, and he's on the drops, and I send him to vacation Bible school. And um, I meet a friend for coffee. So I had way too much coffee, so three cups of coffee is not good for somebody who has anxiety. <laughs> Bad idea. Um, so I pick him up from vacation Bible school and he's doing, they do these little like dances with like their hand motions. Yeah, they're super cute. Um, with their, with their Bible songs or whatever. So I'm watching him on stage do his Bible song and the poor child looked like death. I mean, he's doing everything he's told to do. He's doing these hand motions, but he just looked absolutely (laughs) miserable. So I'm like, Oh Oh, my gosh. So I get him in the parking lot and he just bursts out crying and I feel him and he's burning up. I get him home and he has like 103 fever. So I call the pediatrician and then, so I'm picking him up at lunchtime, keep in mind. And, and then all this happens. So none of us have really eaten lunch. Right. So three cups of coffee, tiny breakfast, no lunch, call the pediatrician. The pediatrician's like, I'm like, should he have a 103 fever with summer's ear? This is kind of weird. And she's like, no, um, bring him in, you know? So I pack up my four kids, no lunch, too much coffee, go to the pediatrician. She like is like examining him everywhere. And she was just like, I think this is something, this is like a bone infection. He has like very bad earwax too. So she couldn't really get a good look at it. And she's like, I think this is a, a bone infection called mastoiditis. Something, I'm sorry if I say this wrong, like something like mastoiditis or something. Right. So that's an inner ear infection, which is a supposedly pretty dangerous. It's like a bone infection. Yeah. And so she's like, I think this is an infection of the bone. So she calls uh, the ENT and she's, she describes it to the ENT and then she, the ENT wants to see him right away. Yeah. So there's like an ENT 25 minutes away. So I thought I'm just going to go and get an antibiotic with my four kids. I would have found someone to watch them, but I had to get in the, I had to go to this ENT. And the other hilarious thing is I don't have an iPhone still or a smartphone still. So I'm like, how do I get to this ENT? I'm asking the receptionist and she's like, I'll text you the directions. I'm like, no, look at my phone. I need, I need to write out directions. <laughs> and she's like, I could not live without my phone. How, I, I couldn't live without it. Yeah. So I'm like, she, Old I'm school, like writing, right literally writing out these directions and I'm driving four kids across town, like 25 minutes. And I call Pete. I'm like, meet me at the ENT, you know? So I get to the ENT and, um, I didn't know what mastoiditis was. I didn't know. I'm just like, Oh, okay. We'll need another antibiotic. Then he goes to describe to me what would happen. Like it's cutting. It was awful. Like, yeah. He's like telling me, I, I'm not eating. I have too much coffee. He's telling me everything. I basically turn into crazy Kristen. I yeah. start like going into panic. Luckily, Pete shows up. I have four kids. Yeah. And well, and the two little ones at this point were turning into crazy people. Everyone's crazy. Everyone's like, hungry They're and crazy. pretty good usually in situations like that. We can get them through like an hour-long yeah. mass and they're fine. But by that point, they were acting like We were they all were crazy. Nuts, we were just you know? crazy people. So... Anyway, we're in the ENT. We relied on the patients of the doctor's office. We're in the ENT. I'm like turning into a, I'm just getting so, I'm so anxious. The doctor has to clean out his ear because there's too much earwax. He can't see it. And, um, and so he, my son, Justin's just crying hysterically. And luckily, oh, like I'm just like texting people to pray. And luckily, um, it wasn't that bone infection, but then the ENT, it was like, I don't understand why he has a fever. I don't understand why he's screaming so much you know, for swimmer's ear, I think you should go to the ER. And I'm like, no, no, please not the ER. Not again. You know, I'm like, he's, well, maybe he's crying because I was like, swimmer's ear really does hurt and he's tired and he, he was up all night and we haven't eaten. And, um, so, so the doctor didn't know what was going on and Justin was screaming, very upset. Yeah. So he was like, I think you need to go to the ER, but 
But no. Kristen knows her kids really well. I just so. was like, I don't think we should go to the ER. And I'm like, right. we're not a doctor. I'm not telling you to not He's uncomfortable. obey your doctors. But I just did not want to take... I just I was like, I feel like he just needs sleep and an antibiotic. And right. the doctor was like, I don't want to give you an antibiotic because I don't know what's what's wrong with him. You just need to... I think you should... I don't want to give you an antibiotic and cover up something that, right. I don't know, is really serious. So we go home. And I was like... He, and he kind of left it up to us. It wasn't like he said, go to the ER. He just said, I think you should go. And I was like... And I kind of told him I don't... I don't know if we need to do that. And then we called other doctors and got other opinions. Yeah, so we I've weren't got being a friend stupid. Uh, who was an ER doctor for a yeah. long time. So, so anyway, he had a right. different opinion. So we're not just nice. like, oh, we're not going to listen to the doctor. We called other doctors and we decided to watch him at home. And he calmed down. And um, but he's still in a lot of pain. And then luckily, the ENT called me the next day and I told the ENT I didn't go to the ER. He's he's doing better. And then the ENT finally prescribed an antibiotic, and he's doing so great on the antibiotic. Yeah. Um, but then, after he got on the, like, two days, at, two days after that whole fiasco. Yeah, I'm like, oh, he's starting to get better. Everyone's Life getting better. Life is back to normal. The poison ivy's kind of going down. That was stressful. We yeah. haven't had much sleep, but everything's okay. Right. So, so I woke up, and I go downstairs, and there's water dripping from from the ceiling. I'm like, oh, man. And Wait, my, hold on. But it's not raining. It's No, it's not, not raining. It's not rainwater. It hasn't it's, stopped raining, but that night it didn't actually rain. It was a bursted pipe. Yeah, so I got down there and my son's on the couch kind of like looking at it. He had woken up (laughs) earlier than me and so he put put a paper towel under it, which was sweet, you know. (laughs) I was like, good, good effort on the paper towel, but the couch was soaked because it was was going into a couch. Right. So I'm like, all right, deep breath. I'm sure it's just a valve or something. I'll be able to go upstairs and find it. It's not a big deal. So I go upstairs and you know, it's not obviously coming from anywhere. So where all the pipes coming out come out of the walls, there's valves there, and then there's little sections that take it to whatever the toilet or or the the sinks and stuff. And it's inside the wall. And I'm, I'm like, oh, you've got to be kidding uh. me, you know. So when water comes out of a pipe inside of a wall, it's going to then eventually find a way out. In this case, it was coming through a light fixture in the ceiling. Mm-hmm. But that doesn't mean the water, the, the leak is over top of that. It could be coming from anywhere and then running a, like a long distance. Right. So Which was, that's exactly what was happening. Right. And at this point, I'm trying to stay calm because because I've had all these ideas in June of things I wanted to do and right. get done. And I was even thinking of taking a day off so I could just catch up on a bunch of stuff. And I'm looking at this and be like, now I'm going to have to take my day off to punch holes in the wall to try and find <laughs> some stupid leak. And my house, I think like we've worked, you know, we did, we did some renovations. It's looking so beautiful. I love my house. And I'm watching Pete like just put holes everywhere in it. And I'm like, oh my God. God. Yeah, just, so I just had to like laugh about it. I was just like, this is so ridiculous. I couldn't even I just Pete, you were so frustrated that I couldn't be frustrated too. So I was yeah, just Yeah, that was like, nice. So then I was you like, did. Peter, were, stop. I was like You just, were the steady force. Yeah, I was like, just stop. We're gonna pray a rosary that you find this because it just felt like we just needed it. Right, well, because like, cause the, the pipes go upstairs, but then it splits into two different bathrooms yeah. and the bathrooms have showers and toilets and sinks. So there's a lot of pipe. Right. In inside the ceiling and the wall. So it could be coming from anywhere, you know? Yeah. And so I yeah, I started punching holes in places and I punched three holes and hadn't gotten any closer to finding it. Yeah, and I was like, just stop, just stop, just stop right. punching holes in things and let's pray. Yeah. <laughs> and so we prayed a rosary together, you know, while this is all happening and then yeah. um and then how long after that did you find that? I put another hole in the wall and found it. See, there so you that go. Was good. Just st- always stop and pray first when things get out of yeah. control like that because 
I don't know. I really felt like that helped. Um, right. And, well, and when, when your mind is in a bad place, like mine was, yeah. it's just, you don't think very well. Right. You know, it's, I don't, I was, I was not being effective in my methods. Right. And I so, could just tell that you were just so frustrated. You just need to walk away from it for a minute. Yeah. And, um, and then he fixed it. And then, so it's, you know, now we can look back on the month and be like, okay, we yeah. got please pray for our family that that's the end of it. <laughs> yeah. Right. Um, but anyway, so yeah. And you fix it. You took the day off work, which it was frustrating because he wanted to take a day off work right. to do farm stuff. And then he's doing pipes, but yeah. you know, it's like, so two nights ago I woke up in the middle of the night sure that I heard water dripping from the ceiling into our bed. So, <laughs> so like, and there was none, there was nothing there, but I was like, oh my gosh, I'm so paranoid. At this point. <laughs> my, my brain is inventing I'm just going to tell myself it was a month of June because we're yeah. in July now. It's July 1st, right? Yeah, it's July so 1st. So we're like, I'm just going to say it was a, it was a bad month of June, but yeah. now we're starting we'll fresh. we look back on it and smile. In a new month. Please God, it. let this be, let that be it. Right. Um, so... Uh, yeah, we found you fixed it. Everything's good. Yeah, yeah. everything's good. Well, June is behind us. After like three or four cups of drywall, but it'll be good. And hopefully, no more poison. I mean, my poor son, John Paul. My goodness, I mean, he's becoming. This must do something to him and make him a tough kid. Dev. Yeah. I mean, it was bad. The poor thing, all in between his fingers. Oh, I feel awful. Right. So. So now, Lord willing, we're going to catch up on sleep and all of the other things that are <laughs> behind. Yes. So um, anyway, homesteading stuff. We do have some. We we did get some homesteading done in the midst yeah. of all this. Insanity. Learned some good lessons too. I will say one thing: um, it has rained nonstop um, this month. I mean, it's June incredible. has been the June has been incredible. It always rains a lot in June around here, but it's been nonstop. All, right. Like every second day, it's raining and a lot of rain. So I have not watered the plants. I haven't had to water anything because of the rain. And I will say, I, this is our third year of homesteading. I think things look the healthiest now that they've ever looked. And that's not just because of the rain. That's because finally our soil is getting healthier. We've learned a lot of important lessons. And right. I'm just so proud of it now. I mean, it looks so good. Yeah. Um, so we've planted kales and lettuces back in March, and they are still going strong. I have not bought any vegetables from the store because I'm not concerned with variety of vegetables. I'm concerned with um, just just the nutrition, the quality of the vegetables. Right. So we've basically just, right now in this season, been eating kales and lettuces. So the kale's really nice because you can get it going really early in yeah. the spring. It doesn't mind if it gets a frost or mm-hmm. gets frozen. It stops mm-hmm. growing, and then when it warms up, it just starts growing again. Right. And then it pushes through till right about, in Maryland, right about now. So as soon as the summer heat kicks in, right. it's going to have a really rough time, and the bugs are probably going to chew it to death. And um so we've been eating kale from sometime in April right. all the way till now. And we've got two rows of kale. And that's so they're like fifteen feet long each row. We've got a, a Siberian kale and a red Russian. Yeah. And it I mean it's they're so much. Yeah, if I'm gonna so homestead yeah, if I'm gonna homestead, I'm not gonna do like a small amount that I still have to supplement. I'm going to do a ridiculous amount. So I put in so many kale seeds. I mean, we yeah. so much and we made, so we'll let it go. We'll eat it probably for another week or two and right. then it's going to start to really degrade. But the cool and then thing I think is, we'll cut it all down, give it to the chickens, maybe wait a few more weeks and then start over again. Cause it'll grow deep into the fall, early right. winter. Right. And the neat thing is eating seasonally. It's like when one thing runs out and one thing's kind of done, then the new thing takes over. So yeah. as the kale's dying, all the cucumbers are coming, the tomatoes are coming, the um, zucchinis and the squashes and just 
I mean, we're going to be in vegetable heaven in a, in like a couple of weeks. It's yeah, be, um, yeah, crazy. it's a neat transition. You do you start with all these lettuces, and mm-hmm. then they take you until it's time for the cucumbers and tomatoes and zucchini and stuff. Right, and the same with the fruit. You know, everything first. Um, I think the strawberries were first. It was yeah. just so fun to send the kids. Like I would just see my my three year old and my four year old just sitting out in the strawberry patch, just shoving their face with strawberries. Yeah, I mean, that was um, super cute. We still haven't. We're still not in the time where we're getting all of our other fruit yet. That takes a little bit more time, but um, we're getting. I mean, I don't even know what we're going to do in a year or two when everything is. I know we're going to have to like. I don't know. I'll learn how to. Yeah, we're starting to get hints of the amount of food that yeah. this property will produce. Yeah, and it's, <laughs> it's a little be crazy. bit like, wow, this is. We're going to have to have a lot of pigs or something. Uh huh. Yeah, we'll have to do pigs or a little roadside. I think by the. You know, in a couple of years, our kids can like stand at a roadside stand and sell stuff or something. Yeah, we'll see. Make I don't some know. money. I don't know. Um, but yeah, I mean, the zucchinis are looking awesome, and the yellow squashes, and then all the other, um, the big squashes are coming up, like the pumpkins. Yeah, the, they're starting to um, the pumpkins and the winter squashes. We right. do a ton of that here because it's such good. Uh, fall decorations for Kristen, yeah. but then we feed it to the chickens all winter long. And eat it ourselves. And eat We've it talked ourselves. about that yeah. a lot. But everything is looking green and lush and, and awesome. So I also have this... So we have the we have one huge area, like an acre, that we've turned into just what we call the forest garden. Yeah. And then um, when we moved So big here, rows, right, because the trees are separated. They're at least 15 feet separated. Yeah. And then we plant in between them right now. So... Just wide spacing, very wide spacing for everything. Even if we're planting lettuce, you know, we'll plant maybe a row or two of lettuce in 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 one of those middle rows, and then it's. I, I kind of like it that way, though. I like things a little more spread out since we have the space. We're not trying to cram it right. all into a small area. Right. But um, when we moved in in the backyard, the previous owner had this little garden, and she was in the process of moving, so it was kind of overgrown. But um, I decided to kind of Wait, take that quote unquote little garden. It's. 16 by 56. Well, it's tiny compared to the forest garden. <laughs> I guess it's big, but yeah. I mean, it's small compared to what we have on the other side of the property. But um, anyway, I decided to kind of claim, claim that as my little tomato garden. And I've learned so many lessons in growing tomatoes because this is actually, I actually haven't had the success that I wanted. I mean, before in the tomato garden. Yeah, we talked about that, the, the mistakes we made with the tomato garden last right. year. So we tried to remediate those mistakes this year and have a good tomato And it's looking harvest. totally It looks awesome. incredible. Right. So, um, well, Peter built an awesome fence around it too because yeah. the first year the cows broke in and ate all yeah. the tomatoes. <laughs> yeah, they were like, the tomatoes were doing pretty good and then the cows... Just they destroyed were, yeah, them. Yeah, Cows yeah. like tomatoes, it turns yeah. out. Um, so anyway, Pete built <laughs> yeah, so it's this It's got this awesome beautiful fence. fence around it now. It's like a very organized, it's just a garden that makes you feel good about being in it. Yeah. But um, when I first had that garden, I kind of wanted to do it as a little vegetable garden because I was kind of thinking, we didn't really know what this was, property was going to look like yet. So I was kind of thinking fruit trees in the forest garden, and then I would do vegetables in this small little kitchen garden. So I had like carrots and Tomate and like lettuces and tomatoes and cucumber. I had a ton of things in there. And one thing I've learned about gardening is you can do things like that, but um, plants really need to dry out. Like if they don't, if they can't dry out, then they get powdery mildew all over yeah. them. And well, in the last two years, well. we've got a ton of rain. So yeah. So I actually put too much in there, and they weren't drying out, and they just were looking yellow and getting kind of just icky. So this year I decided I'm going to simplify it and just do tomatoes and basil in there. And, um, they, I did like 36 tomato plants cause we're crazy. Which is an absurd amount. Well, I want to make a lot of sauces and I'll, we'll, I'll let you know how that goes. But I did a lot of like, um, 
like Amish paste tomatoes to make to make tomato sauce out of to freeze, mm-hmm. and then a lot of fresh eating um, tomatoes. I'll make salsa, and I just want to make a lot of things. I don't want to be buying sauce um, through the winter, so that's yeah. My we goal. do a lot of tomato type things like sauces and salsas yeah. and things like that right. around here. So it'd be nice to have our own. So we, when that garden started, it was the owners, I think, had kind of let it go the last year and it had just become overrun with thistle. So like thistle everywhere yeah. in the garden. So yes. we picked that and it grew back. Hold we on, picked that and it grew a, back. I have a memory of John Paul. We were out in the garden picking yeah. thistle and he was like, mom, he was like three years, four years old. He's like, mom, why did God make thistle? Did he think he was being silly? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He was being silly. Because it hurts. It's prickly. Yeah, it, it's not a fun thing to pick. If just, you don't have gloves on, you got to get it, it a little bit below the ground. But it just takes over. It was, it was like it a thistle takes over, garden. But it turns out with thistle, every time you pick it, it gets a little weaker, and now it's all gone. Yeah. That took us a season to do. Right. And then because the chickens mix the wood chips deep into the ground the second year, the tomatoes struggled a lot. Yeah. So I remediated that by putting a ton of compost on top. So mm-hmm. our we get a ton of compost from the chickens. I put a significant amount of that into the tomato garden so now it's like bursting with life but the problem was there was so much compost on top that the weeds would germinate and grow right on it so we're used to the wood chip gardening where the Mm -hmm. weeds don't grow very often and you get smaller numbers of them which which is small enough that you can just pick them and now it was there were parts of it that was like a carpet of weeds. Mm-hmm. So it's like, oh man, you know, we really just wanted to have a nice organized garden, not have weeds everywhere. And the problem with the weeds is they start out little and you can take care of them, but then they get bigger and bigger and mm-hmm. soon it feels like it's overgrown. So Kristen and I, you know, sucked it up and went through there and, and pulled all the weeds out of it. Yeah. And then I put in um, a layer of wood chips on top, at least of a lot of it. So I was right. able to get a layer of wood chips on top, and then that's going to now suppress the weeds. But right. that was a interesting lesson, you know? Yeah, <laughs> right. You, we had a layer of wood chips and then a bunch of compost on top, and the weeds just started growing. So. Right. But I'm just, I'm really amazed at how much we've learned and like when I think back to what the gardens were when we first moved in mm-hmm. here and even the tomato cages, I, I actually, I talked about the tomato cages last year. The tomato cages that Pete built for me are just awesome. I don't understand why they sell those tomato cages in the store that they do. They do not do anything once the tomatoes start yeah. growing. They just fall over. Yeah. And Pete built Getting an organized situation cages. for your tomato vines to grow on is really, really nice. Yeah. Because they're a crazy vine and they right. just, they will go. So we have big, tall, strong cages and we only are doing tomato. It's so simple, but it's um, clean, and there's not... Because last year I had so much in there. There were, like, slugs coming. There were... I mean, water just can... Moisture is a really big problem. It attracts the, like, wrong right. bugs. It brings mildew. And once a plant gets weak, it kind of sends out a signal to bugs to come and eat it. So yeah. um, it's just... No, the best defense for growing things is that they're just a healthy plant. Yes, so you exactly. look at these tomatoes and for the most part they're really healthy plants. So right. they can resist diseases and bugs themselves most right. of the time if it's really healthy. Oh, and then we had another really cool success. So I have a huge spearmint um, garden and I get, I was so excited about the spearmint garden because now I'm really learning a lot about how to use herbs and everything. And um, I came out and it had all these black dots all over it. So usually what that means is um, it's like a fungus that gets on it and gives it these little black dots. But then I looked closer and I saw these teeny, teeny, tiny little red dots on the, on the leaves. And I'm talking like thousands of red dots. I'm not exaggerating. And um, 
I started to look closer and I realized that these little red, these little black spots weren't a mildew. They were bite marks. It was a plant, a bug eating it. Right. So um, I started to do all this research because I could not figure out what this bug was. I was looking through my books. Um, after like a long time of research, I found it. It's something called, I think it was like a four-lined bug um, is what it was called. And they like the young herbs, which is exactly what they were doing. And they lay their eggs in the herbs and then they hatch the next year. And then they grow and turn into this bug, but they live off <clears throat> they live off the young herbs. So they were just I'm talking like thousands of eggs must have must have hatched, and um, these little red dots were grow they would grow they were growing by the day. So they right. were like in the larva stage, and then they turn into this like flying bug. But um, anyway, I was like, oh my gosh, I guess I've lost my I've lost my mint. And Pete was like, well, you don't have to just like surrender, just let it go. You could fight right. against them. And I was like, yeah, I don't have to just submit to these stupid little larva things. I don't have to just let that. I'm going to, we're going to take them on. Yeah. We're going, we're going to war. Go to so, war. um, I kind of hired my children and myself and every single day we would go out there and basically pinch off these, um, these bugs and it's, and they, they were slow at first. They couldn't like fly away or move quickly. So it was really easy. We would just go through, um, we had bags and we would just pinch them with our fingers and we would catch them. Right. So wait, so the progression was because this is an herb that's really good for you and probably has some kind of medicinal qualities and things like that. So the last thing we want to do is put poison on it. Right. Like we spraying poison onto the plant is not an option. Which you could do, but that's, yeah, we didn't want to do that. Right. So we tried diatomaceous earth and sprinkled a bunch of that on there. They just powered right through it. Right. So they didn't care about that. Um, and then we tried like a soap spray. I did a little soap spray. Yeah. And and that didn't do anything. Right. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, so we were like, all right, we're just going to take them yeah, on. Yeah, but we realized that in certain cases, I mean, in some cases it makes no sense, but in certain cases it really just makes sense for you to be the predator. Yeah. And you pick the bugs off and you can get most of them. Oh, yeah, well, I was praying about that. I was like, God, okay, what what predator would eat these? Why, why isn't there a predator for these? And then all of a sudden it like came to me. I was like, I'm the predator. <laughs> <laughs> I can take care of these. Yeah. So we just I would go out every morning because... I'm talking thousands. I'm not exaggerating. Like thousands of these little red bugs. And I would go out every morning. And it wasn't like they were fast or flying away. They were slow. They got faster by the weeks. Um, but I would just take, get, we would get like hundreds of them a day, just either squashing them with our fingers or putting them in a bag. And um, eventually we really took care of them. And then yeah. my mint, mint is so hardy that after, it, would, it all looked pretty dead. But after I got all the, we got all the bugs off of them, then um, it just came back, and it's this lush, huge, awesome yeah, garden. And it wasn't that it wasn't that big of a deal. It wasn't like I was. It was in the morning, in the shade, just kind of sitting there for you know, yeah. I don't know, hour, half hour, morning. I love the bugs. mint too. I eat it almost every day. I just eat it directly. I think it yeah. tastes really good. I think it's a little stronger taste than some people like, but I I'll sit there and chew on mint. Yeah, for, I just like it in water, or uh, I put it in water, or put it in tea every single day. Well, then we were down looking at our potatoes, and we've got a pretty big amount of potatoes this year. Mm-hmm. And some of the plants looked like they were dying. And I'm like, well, maybe they're done. You know, it seems a little early, but maybe they're done. So we were looking closer. We were down there with a couple of our friends, and they had these gross-looking larvae chewing apart the leaves on them. Mm-hmm. So, But it was only maybe like four or five of the plants had those on it. So we, you know, we took care of those, put them in a cup, and uh, you know something we can take to the chickens or just throw out or whatever, and they were gone. And and my friend did the research and he emailed me and it was like a Colorado potato bug. It's mm. uh, very distinct looking the larvae for that bug. So 
And we came back the next day and there were a few more and the next day and there were a few more. I'll probably go down there today and there'll be a few, but not a lot. You know, maybe maybe 20 bugs or less each time. Right. So that's not a big deal to just pick those off and right. get rid of them myself. It doesn't take that. It's not, it, I mean, it sounds kind of like a ridiculous chore, but it's not that bad. And our kids love bugs, so they like they like to catch the bugs too. Well, yeah. I still don't understand the mystery. I was in the kitchen and I found all those potato bug larvae. <laughs> I called Pete. I was like, why are there these potato bug larvae on the kitchen yeah. floor? And he's like, I don't know. I, think I got a call about that at work. I've, I've learned at work that I get more calls than all the other people. I'm on a homestead by myself. I call I get, Pete like 20 times a day at yeah, work. And you're like, well, I don't know. It's, they're on the floor. I was like, why are there potato bug larvae on the kitchen floor? I think the kids must have brought them in in a bag and then they must have not closed the bag very well. I find bags of bugs all over my house. It's ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, this year especially, they've been going through a put bugs in bag phase. I, yes, and I'm like, stop taking the bags. And then I'm like, where? Like, just like in the kitchen on the counter, there's a bag of bugs. I'm like, why get this out of here? <laughs> um, but, yeah. But um, yeah, it's it's been not that hard, and it's been fun. And um, oh, and last year, so last year we had what those squash bugs, but yeah. it's funny cause we're still learning so much. So there were all these little dots, these little, like kind of pretty little jewel like dots on our, um, a lot of our squash leaves at the pumpkin leaves last year. And we didn't know what they were. So we didn't want to go like taking them off. We had no idea yeah. what they were. And sometimes you're like, Silly is us. this a good bug or a bad bug? So we leave these little sparkles on these, um, squash leaves. And then I don't know, a week or so later, these alien creatures like emerge yeah. and they just start eating the, the leaves. And luckily when they first hatched, they're slow. So we were able to gather them once we realized yeah. they were eating the, 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 um, the leaves. But now we know, okay, when we see these little eggs, these squash bug eggs, yeah, they lay them on the underside of the, the leaves yeah. and the squash is a hardy plant. So you can just tear off half the leaf or the right. whole leaf or whatever. And right. it shouldn't be as big as the deal this year but yeah. yeah yeah our default is not just to kill bugs because there's so many good ones out there right if we don't know what it is and and yeah it seems embarrassing but we didn't know what squash bugs were <laughs> but you know it really makes me appreciate organic farmers or um beyond organic farmers right i mean it would be so easy to just spray these with some kind of poison and kill them all yeah it'd be so e- and and you know people complain that organic produce costs more but it's a lot more work it's a i mean you need to hire more people. You need to work a lot harder to keep these bugs and funguses away when, um, instead of just spraying it, I mean, you could spray it so much easier and have it be gone. I think it is a whole lot harder to do it that way. But the goal, the goal that we're going for with a more permaculture type farm is that the, the soil gets better, the plants Mm -hmm. get stronger and the ecology is more stable. So the long-term vision is that, is that these things become less problems because we have a healthier and healthier ecosystem. So that's the claim and that's what we're that's what we're under the assumption of. But so far we're just a few years into it. Mm. So we'll see how that goes. Yeah. Um, so I, I learned the, the you know, fifty percent of what you do on a homestead is when you have animals is fix gates and fences. Mm-hmm. That's like what you do. Oh yeah. So um, we have our calf who's a steer. He's not really a calf anymore. He's, he's got to be over a thousand pounds at this point. Well, I still call him the baby and people are like, well, where's the baby cow? I'm like, yeah, right, the baby cow there, right here. Right there. And then I realized the he little one. like a baby anymore. Someone actually, I, I think he's probably closer to 1200 pounds because that's what our milk cow is. And they're oh, about the same size. Yeah. It was just funny. Cause we had people over and I was talking about the calf and they kept waiting for me to show them 
a calf like in the barn. Yeah. And then I, they realized that I was talking about this huge cow that, right. but to me, he's still a calf. Yeah. <laughs> and he's big. So he's never, he's never stopped drinking milk. I keep milking, you know, our dairy cow and then he takes about half of it. So he's a, he's a milk fed steer. And yeah. You hear about like grass fed beef. I've never heard milk fed beef, but that's yeah. what we're having. Yeah. He eats half grass and half milk. I don't know how much he gets, but I'm guessing he still gets, I don't know, maybe a gallon and a half of milk a day or so from her. So um, we kind of just share it. And I've been letting, for a while, I let him come into the milk stall. He was just this nice, gentle cow and, or steer, and you know, he would be next to his mom, and she seemed to like him there, and it wasn't any trouble to have him in there. But While you're milking. While I'm milking. But, you know, he's gotten bigger and bigger, and he wants to come in and, and kind of just, he's... He's huge. <laughs> and it doesn't feel safe to have these big hooves Yeah, Pete's in around. this tiny... Like, think of this small little barn stall. Pete brings yeah. her in to milk, and he's always let the calf be right there. And now it's like two huge cows while he's trying to milk. Yeah, and you know, the farmer we got our dairy cow from would let the calves in there as well. He seemed you know, to think that that was a good idea. So I, I've, I've gone with that, and it certainly is peaceful. But now i got to get him out. And, and, and so what do I do? So there's a door to the barn stall, which is one of those doors that opens at the top and the bottom. But even when I just close the bottom, it's tall enough that he can't see her. And then they start to freak out. And so that's not peaceful either. That's so cute that they still like need to see each other at all times. I guess. Yeah, our little <laughs> herd of two. Yeah. So I put up a couple chains that keep him out. And he sits there and, and he was pretty unhappy about it for the first couple of days. You know, he's, he can still see her, though. So... <laughs> He, he he's he tried to push his way through, but they were strong chains, and he couldn't push his way through. And uh, now he can still see her. But it's it's interesting after doing it this long. There's all these little tweaks like that 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 bring so much peace. I've got a handful more of them I want to do to my milking setup, and and uh, just make it. A, I, I have this vision of it being this very wonderful, peaceful experience. And sometimes it is, and sometimes not so much. But getting him out of there was a good contribution. So right. that was that was, you know, a never ending list of tweaks to the gates and fences. And, yeah. and so Kristen had this idea too that we were gonna keep our lovely Marima who loves to bark away from the road. We are still a year later. So it was it's been a year since we tried to rehome Bella and a year that she yeah. still is driving us totally crazy. Yeah. <laughs> I don't yeah. know what's wrong with us. It's a complicated relationship. <laughs> anyway, so so we put up this chicken fencing over top of some of the wood fencing that was there so Kristen could keep her away from the road. Well, let me explain that a little better. She is she likes to sit in the front yard and guard our house and guard our kids. So she just she I think we've described her before. Merrimas don't like to run away. They like to just stay close and bark. And so she's parked herself. She's decided that her place is in front of the house, which is right kind of near the road where people walk by all day long. And she just decides to bark, like, hysterically at everyone who walks by, which is all day long. Yeah. So I decided, okay, I mean, we've tried everything to get this dog to stop, but I was like, let's fence in the backyard um, and then keep her back there away from the road. So Pete worked really hard putting all this fencing up. I'm yeah. sorry, go ahead. I just wanted to explain that. No, I did. Go I worked ahead. really hard. Well, it wasn't that hard, but <laughs> we put up this fencing and then we keep her back there and it didn't really do anything. because then She just she barked just hysterically to be up there. in the front. So yeah. it defeated the purpose because yeah. she just loves my children and she just wants to be guarding them 24-7. So the fact that she was in the back away from them, I just had to listen to her flipping out back there. And right. that was just like, I can't. 
Oh right. my gosh. So now we're experimenting with <sighs> a, a collar that seems to be working pretty well. Yeah. Uh, we will, we'll see how that goes. But <sighs> anyway, I was happy to get the fencing up because now that was like the last section of fence we needed to do to let the chickens roam as right. far as they want. So they don't go anywhere near as far as the cows. Um, but they do go a lot further now. They'll, they can go as far away from the coop as they want. But what's so nice is flies go to the cow poop and lay eggs. Eggs become maggots and larvae and, and turn into flies again. But if you have chickens, it mm-hmm. breaks up that cycle. So the flies lay eggs in the poop and then the chickens love cow poop and they go for it and they tear it all to pieces. And instead of this, this big pile of manure... The cow or the chickens kind of spread it out nicely, and they get all of the the maggots out of it, and then it's like the most effective fly control I think that there probably is. Right. So that fencing that Pete put up for the dog, which ended up being a waste, now is just awesome because we need the chickens to stay out of certain areas because they right. will kind of just make yeah, a mess of the gardens. So basically, he kind of fenced out the gardens to keep the chickens right. away from the gardens. But where the cow's waterer is, now the chickens get to, which yeah. is huge because so that's cool. where they probably spend the most time because it's the consistent place they always have access to and they drink water. Right. Um, so that's been really nice. That's part of our long-term goal for fly control was to have the chickens have more access to the farm. So right. that's really cool. And yeah, then, so it wasn't wasted. It was because it's hard when you do something, you do a project, and then yeah. it's not what you needed or wanted, and then you. But this was like a project that we actually got something out of, yeah. not what we expected, but. Well, I kind of knew that was going to happen, which was gave okay. me more motivation to but, do it. But. Oh, Bella! But yeah, well, one funny story. So we um, actually have a little tiny neighborhood pool um, across the street from us, so we can walk. We walk there. And um, it's not like a it's not like a huge community pool. It's just a small little neighborhood pool, but it's great because we can walk to it. But um, it was just funny because oh, a couple weeks ago we're going we're at the pool and the lifeguard was like, "There's a cat uh, running after you. Be careful!" And we looked back. It was our barn cat. She had chased us to the pool. She climbed the pool fence and she just wanted to sit there and watch us swim. <laughs> <laughs> and um, the lifeguard's like, I don't, there's no one else here. I don't really care. So our cat just sat there and watched us yeah. swimming. So that was our barn cat. Then a couple weeks later, it was a yeah. big family the party. The dogs were like, oh, that's a great idea. Yeah. So there's a big family party at the pool. And our dogs never leave the farm. I mean, they don't, they don't want to leave the farm. They, they don't want to leave us. And we have, they have electric collars on. But when they saw our kids going to the pool, all of a sudden we're at the pool and our dogs, our crazy, insane dogs who are not, have no manners. They are not house trained dogs they come like well, tearing into the pool but <laughs> yeah they're not it's not like little they're fluffy not, they're not uh polite yeah at all but they were at the pool they come like tearing into the pool and they like run into the pool gate and our dogs are running around the pool like wild banshees and we're just like oh my gosh and we're trying to like catch them and then they realize how fun it is that they're like out yeah. and so they're running around the pool we're trying to like catch them and and then right. they're running. Well, our more. one dog listens, <laughs> so he came. Blue listens. I was like, "Blue, come here!" And he comes over, and he knows I'm a little annoyed, so he's got his tail like between his legs. But he <laughs> listens. And Bella doesn't care. And Bella's huge. So, luckily, because I don't, we didn't have leashes for them. We didn't really know how. We couldn't like really yeah. get them back. And luckily, our friends pull in like right around that time, and so we load the dogs into our friend's van. Yeah, and drove them back. <laughs> drove them home. Right. But anyway, that's our yeah. Insane. I'm like. So now, until I get more fence. Scene. We gotta, we gotta <laughs> lock, lock the dogs up, up when we go, go to, the, to pool. the pool. But I laugh. I'm like, you know, first it was our cat, then our dogs. 
I wonder how long until our cows will show up at this pool. Oh my gosh, All I was our- going to say that. I'm like, don't say that. I can't <laughs> even like think about it. It stresses me out. Like, <laughs> they want to be with us. Big old Carmelo rumbling like, down the pool driveway. They don't like to be away from if us. If it happens one day, I will laugh about it later, but I will cry in the moment. <laughs> no, I'll go home and get grain, and we'll get her home with grain. That's <sighs> that's my plan, I oh guess. I don't know. Anyway, yeah, our life is pretty pretty hilarious and crazy, and yep. uh, it's been an interesting month. If you think of us, please keep us in prayer, because we just need a break. Yeah, we could use it for sure. <laughs> I think that's it for today. Yeah, and, all right. Um, yeah, um, thanks for listening. Yeah, have a great summer. All right, bye. Bye.